What's up, maniacs? My name is Sky Menhart, and you're listening to Manic State of Mind, a podcast where a crazy girl talks about her crazy life. And today is a very special episode because I have my darling friend, <laughs> my darling friend Holly Morganelli from Manic in Miami. Hello, Holly. Oh, great to see you. You too, darling. We're doing a Zoom video. So we're face to face. And I'm really excited to have Holly back because the last episode we did together was very popular. You guys are loving it. So I'm happy to have my pal, my manic friend back on the show. Yes. Um, And today we're going to be discussing authenticity, mania, our experiences with mania and psychosis. We're going to be debunking a few. And theories behind mania that people may not be familiar with. Exactly. Um, So we wanted to start off with something that I've definitely been talking about on my show, which is just being kind of brutally honest and really pursuing authenticity in our lives. And so um, Holly, could you share what your journey has been with brutal honesty and authenticity? Sure. I just have um, this extreme honesty policy and I'm totally comfortable with it. And I think it's the best way to communicate. And I think that to me, that's me presenting this authentic version of myself that for me is very important. Yes, I totally agree. I'm the same way. And just an astrology moment, because I'm obsessed, both Holly and I are Scorpio risings. So we have that brutal, direct honesty, and we can perceive the bullshit, because we kind of perceive things in a different way. And I think a lot of people do, even if they're not Scorpio risings, but my husband, I don't like to talk about him a lot, but he has been the most supportive because he sees me for me. He allows me to be myself. He's, he, he understands that it's a sickness and he's like, listen, it's a sickness. This, you have to get treatment for your illness. You take medicine for your illness. You go to the hospital and I'm here for you. And I know who you are. You should like have him on the podcast. I want to, but I just, (sighs) (laughs) I get annoyed with people because people like a lot of, anyway, a lot of people, I just don't like when people comment on my relationship or tell me that they like want me to talk about it or like, oh, you guys must have, you must be really this, this, this. It's like, ugh, I just hate it. Esme Wang doesn't talk about her husband at all. Um, Yeah. I mean, and he's just now listening to my show and he's the reason I created it because we, I had a manic episode and we split up and I made this show to talk about stuff. And so he's listening to it now. Yeah. He listens to it every day at work. He's like in the earlier episodes, but it's really sweet because now he, because I made it for people who have loved ones with bipolar so that they know what it's like. And I feel like he's really understood me on a, on a deeper level because of it. And he's willing, like, it's just, he's the only person I know who really sees me for, you know, for what does he have any positive? Um, are there any positives that he's gotten from your, um, temperament? Oh, I mean, he loves, he loves that I'm dramatic and emotional. He, he like, he's like, I love who you are. I love how creative he really supports my creativity. He wants me to express myself. He doesn't ever judge me for my emotional stuff. And after my manic episode, he didn't, he was, he was angry at me for a while, but he, he, he's like, he said, like, I forgave you. Like, I know I felt bad. You know, I knew this is an illness. This isn't who you are. 
And because we've known each other for so long, it's like he sees me for who I am, not just me being bipolar. And he loves the things about me that make me (laughs) me, which is just, and I know that sounds basic, but it's really been incredible. So do you think that, and he's a stable person, right? Oh, yes. Very. And that's this, that's the crucial ingredient. People need to find that stable person that will help. Yeah. Like you need to be with someone who makes you feel like you just took a Xanax, like when you're close to them. And that's how, I don't know. That's how I feel with him. It's like, he is even keeled, non-reactive, just that's the energy you need. You need the lithium in your partner. When somebody is pursuing you con- and they're consistent with you, yeah. that's the biggest thing ever. I'm just, you know, saying that and then I'm saying, I'm crazy. Why are you talking to me? I really like you. Yeah, it's just, and, and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. And it is Valentine's Day or venereal disease day. Um, but when you're in a relationship, the consistency is huge. Like the message that that message that the person is sending is always the same. I like you for who you are. You don't need to change. Your emotions are okay. Your, your feelings are valid and I'm going to listen to you. Maybe I don't understand you, but I'll, you know, I support you. That's like positive things. Like, and I, I like you because I think you're really intelligent. You're insightful. You have a lot of things to say, and it's very interesting to listen to. Exactly. Exactly. That's what you need. You don't all, you don't, I mean, nobody is ever going to understand you on a, you know, completely 100%, but if they're willing to listen and they're giving you the space to be, to express yourself, that's so crucial. They're not like insecure men who need to have women who worship them a hundred percent of the time. No. The, and if their security is the biggest, most attractive thing ever, I mean, who are quietly confident, who are just nice and supportive and stable because they're truly confident. They're not like grandstanding with this ego, you know, yeah. it's like real. confidence is quiet. Confidence, confidence. is quiet. Yeah, I know we're getting really off topic here, but that all that stuff is so that's important. And that's well, really- I love it because we're recording on Valentine's Day, so we can tie it in, you know, to the I was going to do I did a, like a video about romance. But anyway, could I read a couple of the real quick, the excerpts of the manic text? Yeah, if, yeah, it doesn't come out good. I won't include it. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> okay. Just like just say what you're, re- you know, I have so many more of them, but these are just a couple that I just found. <laughs> so. I was just looking back on some text messages sent um, very late at night, this one in December of 2021. And I have them, I redacted a lot of the rambling in between because nobody wants to hear that. Uh, Here, here we go. Um, Wow. Sorry. I think, I think that was stream of consciousness. I wrote it in like three minutes and I don't even understand what I was trying to say, but it's too much to delete. I'm doing work and financial stuff tonight. Too long, didn't read. No need to read. Oops, holy fuck, that's a lot. Sorry, I don't even know what's going on when I text this stuff. It's like I'm not really thinking, just, oh, wow, so embarrassing. It's called free association. (laughs) It is hardly something that affects the way people view me as a whole person. It's not my TED talk. It's a lecture, rambling. I really (laughs) couldn't care less what anyone thinks of me, so I've been taking care of stuff for five hours straight for the new place and fighting Gable's Christmas parade traffic. McWhorter's whole book is like being lectured to by an astronomer who thinks he can study the stars with a kaleidoscope. I'm kind of liquidating assets tomorrow morning. You can cook, LOL. I'm just rambling. I haven't eaten all day because of the stress and all my grades and deadlines are next week too. 
And he said, got to eat. No, I don't. I'll probably eat later. Probably when all of this is over. I believe in crystals, witchcraft, both white girl witchcraft and African spirits. And I believe cats talk to me, but not that numerology. That's legit. Sorry. Anyway, I'm, oh, this is clanging. That's legit. I'm legitimately broke. (laughs) It's when you have the word association with the, oh, I didn't even think about that. I may have to borrow money from someone like real broke. Thanks to my dumbass buying people drinks and buying $20,000 of handbags and clothes. Ha 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 ha. Escrow is due today. Wow. I forgot. I have some Apple. I have Apple pay someone. Someone accidentally Apple paid me $400 and gave me $400 cash and refused to take it back. I think I spent it all. I hate my handbags except one. Sorry, fuck. Vending to people have to call Bank of America. Great news, though. I got it together. Oh, why do I have thousands of dollars of handbags? That was amazing. That's, that's... That was sent like in just a matter of minutes. And the yeah. only thing that the person wrote back is I'm cooking and got to eat. <laughs> oh, that I made just... my day. And I just realized there was clang association. Maybe we should identify that real quick. That's when um, manic people often with rapid speech are not connecting ideas in the way people normally connect them to communicate, but they hear a sound and then they associate it with something that has that sound. Mm -hmm. So um, that one example is it's legit. And then um, I'm legitimately legitimately broke because then because the the mind is just like legit legitimately or it can be alliteration or rhyming or things like that. And schizophrenics do it, too. So it's not that I legitimately broke broke had nothing to do with what I was saying was legit. It's just that I was playing playing associating those words together. That's so cool. I didn't even I've never heard that like symptom described, but I definitely have experienced that. And I would go through delusions where I was like, I want to be a rapper. And I think when you're manic, you can rap better because of that, you know, and you can rhyme and like, yes. And I know Eminem has I know I've mentioned his name so many times, but he talks about mania in a lot of his songs. It's like, you know, it makes sense. That's I really love the white girl witchcraft and African spirits. And I believe cats talk to me that made me laugh so much, but yeah, that's like an actual manic person having a manic text. So for people who are not aware and the text, Holly sent me these and it's like one, two, three, four, like five paragraphs. I mean, this could be, you know, it's amazing. This could be an essay. It's more than that. So it's just a little excerpt. And I I like that one because the clang association is in it. But um, well, I think it's hilarious too. the handbags. I mean, why do I have $20,000? I'm broke. The escrow. Why did I buy everyone drinks? It's just like, yeah, that's this is all. It's just spelling out manic behavior. And I don't even realize that I'm doing it. So, no, I'm not aware. Looking back, this is the most manic thing I've ever seen. But I didn't know that. Yeah, it's really, I love, I mean, I'm not saying I love it, but I'm just saying it's really interesting. And the, I hate all my handbags except one. That was, (laughs) that's very manic. (laughs) So much. It's just self-awareness. And if you are just living in this like posturing, um, you know, around a false identity, then you can't possibly have that level of self-awareness that's necessary. 
And a lot of people are choosing to live in delusion. I talk about that. Like, and that's why you have, we have a hard time communicating with most people because most people would rather not hear the truth. Most people would rather, you know, you praise them and make them feel better and, and allow them to kind of live in their cognitive distortion. So, and we're not going to do that because we're not doing that ourselves. Yeah. And that is something I'm writing about as well in mania. Um, if you are constantly seeking connection and you want to help people and you want to tell them this is the greater meaning, or this is what I've figured out. And so I can help you. This happened to me last year, someone who at all costs, extremely avoidant, extremely sensitive and avoidant is a nightmare for manic people. It's just like oil (laughs) and water. That person did not want to be confronted with anything real about himself. And so guess who became the evil wicked witch of the subtropics? Me, you know, because I was trying to help him. Yeah. And you're like, don't you want to be like, cause I think the assumption is, and this is our problem, I guess, like we assume everybody's on that path. And so yeah. it's like, well, I can give you a, to- a list of all you need to do to self-actualize and become amazing. So if you want to follow it, go ahead, you know, but, and we try to do that. And I think one thing I've learned that's helped me because I really, I'm always like, oh my God, I have all the answers, you know? Yes. So a lot of times I just have to remember that most people aren't asking for advice. You know, people, if, if somebody wants advice, they're going to say, Hey, what should I do? It's like, I don't need to always be, you know, Oh my God, guess what? You know what I'm saying? You do that in mania. Like I can't control that. And when you're trying to help others, which I, this is another interesting thing in mania. I feel like I'm trying to help others. And in doing that, um, I guess, tying back to what we were just saying, you're vilifying yourself at the same time. I like to compare psychosis to being on mushrooms or being on some sort of a drug because it changes your entire perception of reality. And you, and like, I've, I've been aware most of the time I'm psychosis, but being aware of it doesn't do shit. I'm still, I like one time I had a really bad episode. It was um, 2017 and my parents came to see me in the hospital and they looked fat. Like they looked overweight and obese to me. But I was like, I know you guys aren't really obese. I was like, you look fat though. And they were laughing and I'm like, Ooh, I didn't want to look at them because their bodies were morphing and changing shape. And like, it's like when you do ketamine, like people's faces are swirling and like shit is shape shifting and people are coming out of the, out of the sky. Yeah. It's like a canvas. Um, I don't, I'm going to take that part out, but, um, you know, I, I, people look different when the last time I had a relapse of a paranoid delusion, I ran into the person that in my extreme paranoid delusion, I thought it was a cult leader. I, I keep talking about that. I, I just can't get past that, but um, I love it. He looked like a different person to me. He looked like a wizard. Yep. I don't know why he looked like a wizard. And I'm like, he looked evil. He looked like he had menacing eyes and a pointy nose and he had a, like a little like pointy goatee which he doesn't have he does not have that his um hair was also pointing and completely white <laughs> and he looked like an evil wizard i was looking at him in person a few blocks away and he looked like an evil wizard how does that happen yeah that's why it's like yeah it's exactly exactly your brain is just is is uh is making these things 
happen based on the paranoid thoughts? Is that yes? It? I I mean I think it's just the psychosis. It's it ha- it's very powerful. Very I think powerful. people with manic depression have very powerful brains. And going back to like when you were saying like why do I experience mania when I'm taking all my meds and I'm you know and and why can I stop it? I think I think I could go manic on all my medication, no matter how stable I was, if I, you know what I mean? I think but the, it wouldn't the, last for seven days. You wouldn't have to go. To no, the but like, you know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. like the brain is so powerful and we don't know about all of this stuff. We have no clue. And I think there is such a similarity between psychedelics and the, and the psychotic experience in a, a lot, lot of ways. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of crossover and, and I, I, I always feel like the brain images must look similar because yeah, everything yeah. is lit up in the, in that state. And, you know, it's such a double-edged, like I learned so much and I, you know, there, there are so many good things and good theories out there and things that I genuinely believe and want people to know, like we've been talking about with manic depression, but I also just feel like, wow, what a, I belong on the Island of misfit toys because this is never going away. I'm like, yeah, know. that's I exactly down about that sometimes. Cause you know, I'm like, but you know, yes, I manage it. I have all this self-awareness. I I'm a smart person. I just want to help people. I'm on medication. I'm doing all of this fucking shit, but like, yeah, I am fucked up and mm-hmm. it's, are going to end you know that it's very that's a super it's super hard and I don't like thinking about it because I'm like Jesus I every time I go to the hospital I'm like I'm never gonna be manic again and it's and it never you know never lasts so it's like that and I think you should allow yourself that space to kind of grieve in a way because it is a chronic illness how would you define mania and hypomania for yourself well, I think, okay, I'm going to read the definition of mania that I have written down so people will know like the dictionary definition. And then I'll talk about my experience, which I have talked about in previous episodes. So if you go check those out. Um, so mania is mental illness marked by periods of great excitement, euphoria and delusions and overactivity. Um, so I think that's a good definition. I think everybody sort of has unique experiences when it comes to mania. Mine is definitely like a rush of emotions ideas um visions and and not psychotic visions but inner visions of creativity and and things I want to create artwork or whether that be art or I really like I like making movies in my head stuff like that and so it is sort of like an explosion of euphoria (laughs) mixed with delusions and it usually starts off with euphoria and then it gets into more of the darker dysphoric mania, which we spoke about and the delusions. Yeah. What about you? Well, yeah, for me, because it always stems from some sort of external stress or a big change or something unpleasant. um, I think on a very deep level, it probably relates back to things that happened in early childhood that I'm trying to fix. Maybe I'm just, that's a really interesting way to think about it. Um, I've thought a lot about that. And for me, it's sort of the antidote to pain. So if, or, and stress. So the, the best way to combat it for me, maybe, I mean, it's not that this is a cognitive process that I'm planning out, but the way that it manifests is to make everything great and you're helping and everything's going to be okay. And it's awesome. And you have a plan and everyone's going to love it. And that's a, (laughs) 
I guess that that does it makes sense, right? It's logical. Yeah. And, and go ahead. I Sorry. was just gonna say there is a lot of that, and I guess it's a delusion, but there is this feeling like, oh, something good is right, is like about to happen. Like I'm I always feel like I'm walking with God and I'm like the light from heaven is shining down on me and I'm like ascending. That's a big, yes. uh, there's sort of a spiritual aspect to it where you're like, oh my God, I'm about to self-actualize. I'm realizing who I am. Everything's coming into place. That kind of this thing. All makes sense. I found the great me, the finding the greater, we can talk more about that later, but I found the greater meaning. Everyone, everyone should hear it. It's yes. It's going to be great. It's this joyous feeling. And then you also feel like you're not being judged for anything. And um, as a response to that idea, your own perception that you're not being judged, you feel free to express anything. So you don't have any constraints. It's just like free expression. And that comes into, you know, the pressured speech and the saying anything and the clinging. It's like, yay, I'm free. Let's, you know, let's do this. (laughs) Yes. And there's, and if you're already a no filter person, which is likely if you have manic depression, in my opinion, it's like the, the little bit of filter you did have is completely gone. So you, and there's such an urgency to everything. Every single thought is like, oh my God, if I don't write this down, I'm losing like this great piece of artwork or this great, you know, idea that's going to change the world. There's such a, cause your thoughts are coming in so quickly, you know, when they're coming in quickly and you're getting this feeling that they're so great and that great things are going to happen. It's like, it's kind of the ultimate oversharing. Yeah. The ultimate oversharing as fast as you can. And just everything comes out. And I look back, I was, I think what's so interesting now is that unlike um, the past, we have so much text documentation of exactly what we were expressing when we weren't speaking and so looking back on the manic text, it's just all of these really, really detailed things and numbers, and it's so, so fast. And um, it just seems appropriate. In the yes. You put all of that out there. Yeah. I wanted to mention a movie that I watched that I think had a really good depiction of mania. Oh, my God. I can't think of what it was called. Oh, it, was, it, the- it was by Paul Dalio. And he, his, I think his dad was like one of the people who started the transcendental meditation movement in the United States. I'm going to look it up really quick. Cause I, it had Katie Holmes. I love that one. Yeah. So she acts, she's so good. They, as, it, they uh, were incredible. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. That's good. The guy was good too. Yes. I Okay. I got it. Touched with fire. Okay. So it's based off of, it's titled after a book that K. Red Jameson wrote, which is really good, which actually I reference a lot, but anyway, it's two bipolar patients meet in a psychiatric hospital and begin a romance that brings out all of the beauty and horror of their condition. And they weren't, they like trying to get to the moon or they were trying to like reflect the light off the moon and they, and they really depict mania in an extremely accurate way. And it, and I like how it has the two journeys, you know. And you can see, I love when Katie Holmes is kind of ramping up and she freaks out and she's like, but I, I checked in here voluntarily. You can't keep me here. I'm oh. leaving. I did that, you know. Story of my life every time. And they always trick you with that. They're like, well, you can leave. And then you never get to leave. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that 5150, man, uh, or whatever it is. I don't know. Baker Act here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, a little. 
Here, there's an interesting idea that um, I relate to so much in mania that it's really all about connection. So you're just trying to connect with others. That's why all of these things are coming out all the time. It's all about this connection. And it's, I mean, I'll talk about the synchronicity that is huge in my delusions, but everything really does kind of revolve around just, it's kind of sad underlying it all because I just want to connect it to everybody, you know, Yeah. get in touch with people. And, um, you know, I... Do you want a little story from my mania last year? Yes. And in my relapses as recently as last month, same thing. Um, I live in a, well, I bought a condo in mania and I live on a first floor. One of the reasons I actually loved this place is because it's on a street that a lot, there's a dog park and a marina at the end of the street. There's a bus stop. There are constantly people walking back and forth. And I can open these windows and it's sort of like a puppet show. Like there's a stage, you know, and I lean was leaning all the way out with my arms out, just like talking to people and getting people to come back and talk to me and just talking to anyone. And um, almost like I was just like this sticking out. It was a stage, you know, I Uh, love that. And I just really enjoyed that so much. And I've spoken to um, a schizoaffective woman in South Florida. We have the exact same manic symptoms. I can, I can go into more detail about that, but specific to connection. Um, I do feel a strong connection with people in mania and I've approached many homeless people and I want to have a, a deep conversation with them. And it really does feel like we're connecting how much of that is mania and how much of that is, okay, I'm in a manic state, but it's real. Because for example, the other day, there's a homeless man in my neighborhood who's, he's old, he has a walker and he's by the bus stop a lot. And I went to the gas station convenience store. I was rushing, I was walking out and he yelled behind me. He said, Hey, why didn't you say hello? I thought we were friends. (laughs) And it was kind of a touching moment because, yeah, like I wanted to talk to him and I understand like we, we, we are friends, you know? Um, And I don't know if you've had that reaching out to strangers. thing. I have and homeless people specifically, (laughs) like when I was in, cause I had a manic episode in Jacksonville, Florida, right off of 103rd street. If you guys live there I don't know but it was you know it's kind of sketchy but I was like you know I hung out with these homeless people they were really nice to me we like shared a Gatorade you know and stories by the way yes they do and a lot I mean people don't I don't know I think there are a lot of like assumptions about homeless people and and I I know a lot of it can be tied to addiction and all this stuff I understand but they're very it's if they're willing to talk to you and they were they were helpful to me they helped me out and So I totally agree with you about connecting to people. And I think because I think you always have that as you know, and like, it ties back to the openness to experience and other, other signs and symptoms. But I think that is always genuine, regardless of mania or psychosis, you're always open to people because it's like, Mm -hmm. for me, I want, I love hearing about other people's experiences. I love just, yeah, like you said, connecting. It doesn't matter who they are. There are no social pretenses. You know, you're shedding all of this. 
bullshit. So whenever you take away all those, the social barriers that we put on ourselves, it's just human to human. And that's why those things are so powerful. If people are doing that kind of stuff during mania and they're not harming themselves, um, why is that so terrible? Oh yeah. Like, have you seen the show Russian doll with uh, Uh, Natasha? That's a good example of it. Like when she's going every night and she's meeting with that guy and they become friends and he cuts her hair or like, (laughs) I don't know. But that's another, that was a really great example. Well, I have to say I lived in the East Village and Brooklyn for a while. That show just rings true. I mean, when that show came out, so many people texted me. They're like, please watch this show, Holly, please. It's like the show reminds me of you a lot. But one reason I loved living in New York um, was that experience of just being able to connect all the time. And if it's on public transportation or just you're meeting new people constantly. Um, And I love that in mania, um, even if you have some of those false narratives and we all do, you know, they're not there. And I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that's why a lot of the time when you're in the psych ward, you meet people Re- every time I go, I make really good friends and I really fall in love with these people because you're at such a vulnerable place in your life. You have nothing to hide. You know, everybody is saying, you know, oh, why are you in here? And you just connect on a human level. You remove all of the, you know, like I said, all the barriers and it's really powerful. It is. It makes no sense to demonize people for presentation of, you know, some of the negative aspects because we are all going through something along the lines of mental illness, struggling with trauma, um, trying to manage things and, and move on and move forward. So it's we have really this odd dichotomy in our society. That's why I think we're at a very interesting place when it comes to mental health care. I agree. And we really, I always say this, like we need to have nuance whenever we're talking about any, anything really, but especially mental health. And I think with, with, you know, manic depression specifically, there are both environmental and like nature and nurture factors that go into how you act. So it's like, whenever you look at somebody and you, and you want to place a judgment on them for something they're doing when they're in a manic or psychotic state, and you can use that with anything, if they're addicted, if they're on drugs, whatever it may be, it's really not the accurate. You're not looking at this accurate whole picture of who they really are. Uh, I have a question. Are you aware that you're manic when, I mean, you seem to be aware that you're manic when you're manic or how does it work for you? Acute mania, not aware, but when I'm ramping up now, I have such a great self-awareness that I have a little checklist of things that are signs. Let's talk about that then. Yeah. You go ahead with your little checklist. Oh man. Well, um, of course the classic is bouncing out of bed. Like literally, I've literally bounced out of bed. Like, at like 4.30 in the morning and just felt absolutely fantastic. If you do that three days in a row, not good. Um, That's just a basic, but uh, dancing while I'm trying to do anything. And I don't, I I have like no rhythm, don't dance. But um, I put on like 80s and 90s pop songs and I'm singing and dancing and I'm alone and, you know, when I had this big relapse of mania in October, 
it was the first kind of cold front day. It was overcast and a little bit cooler outside. I opened the windows and I was dancing and singing out the window again as well. So anything, you know, looking for the audience, trying to connect with someone, doing all of that stuff. Um, and that has coincided with some exhibitionism. Um, a little bit of exhibitionism. <laughs> Me too. Hey. <laughs> so embarrassing. And I don't think I do this now. I mean, I haven't done this in a while, but one of my hallmarks is I'm sending nudes, but I'm not sending nudes to, um, for, to try to, it's not really a romantic pursuit or anything. It's more like, like I, I send nudes to like female friends. <laughs> what Take this, send, Holly, stop sending me nudes. Like I'm taking care of my kid and it's four in the afternoon. What are you doing? That's amazing. I really love, that's so random. I love that. Like, hey, it's okay. definitely safer, I, you know, than sending them to weirdos, but that's just so funny. No, but I've sent them to weirdos too. Or oh, a guy, yeah. like straight male friends. I've been like, can you tell me which of these nudes is the best one? <laughs> oh, I love it. And they're probably like, whoa, getting excited. And you're just like, no, I need your, I need your opinion. Like, <laughs> Well, they're happy to give the opinion, but oh, I'm sure amazing. I definitely, the sleep is the biggest part for me. And that like, that's what propelled me into my last manic episode. Um, because I, I wasn't sleeping. It was Christmas. Like we got home on Christmas from my family really real, like at two o'clock in the morning. And basically since then I hadn't gotten on a routine and gotten good sleep. So by the time I went to the hospital, I was having that exact experience where I'm going to bed at 1 a.m. or 12 and then I'm waking up at four and I'm recording an hour podcast. Oh, oh my God. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, and I know, and I knew it was happening. I'm like, I know this is not normal. Like I'm in too good of a mood for the amount of sleep I've had. Like I should be exhausted and I'm fucking, hey, you know, bouncing off the walls. Yeah, that's a huge one for me. And then definitely like there's certain if I start listening to rap music a lot, that that is another sign. This okay. manic episode, like I would go to sleep listening to Eminem, like Godzilla by Eminem. And I'm like, that's how I know. I'm I'm like, I'm like, okay, time to put my Eminem on and just fall asleep. Yeah. Because that's how fast my brain is moving. Because yeah. I'm I, like literally, it's like Eminem is rapping my thoughts. And I and, and, Yeah, do you ever notice you probably noticed this with like the hip hop, like with me, um, even songs that are, that are energetic and have a, like, I'm like, this isn't fast enough. Like I need to yes. change. It has to have a faster beat. Like Exactly. Oh, and listening to podcasts on two times two, I will do that, you know, like speed the podcast up and it's like, okay, now this is because even if I'm not manic, my thoughts move pretty quickly. And I think when you have ADHD and bipolar, it's like amplified yeah. and everything amplifies it, but yeah. Those are two of my main ones. And, and that's like hypomania, you know, and it goes very quickly into mania. And then I'm yelling and I'm getting yelling. mad. And I'm like, I always feel like nobody gets what I'm trying to say. And what and can I, you give it examples of the hype? How do you know the hypomania is slipping into mania? Because I feel well, like people don't describe that very well. Yeah. I just know if it passes a certain point with my sleep, I know it's going to propel me into mania. Yeah. So it's like, I, and I always can, I can always sense when that is, but it's like, if I don't get sleep, if I don't get my sleep schedule under control after the initial, whether it be an all nighter or whatever it is, then I know like pretty much I'm going to be manic. Um, 
So it's, I think the sleep is the biggest factor for me. Yeah. But I do have one question. So when you're stabilized and you're on, you know, your medication is working. So the medication is working, but these external factors that we talked about are uh, bringing on hypomania, which you can't avoid that. It's going to happen no matter how much medication you're on. But how is it possible? Like I've brought myself down from going full on manic. I stayed up all night, not tired at all. And I was about to leave for a trip, which can trigger mania. And I, it's a horrible song. It's not good, but I listened to that song, Break My Stride. Listen, I all, okay. I think of mania. It's also kind of like a snowball effect. And you can, if you're at the top of the mountain and you you have the snowball in your hand of mania and you have that awareness in the moment, like if I let this go, and then you can stop it. And I think it's all what, what helped me with that, because I wasn't always able to, in the beginning, I didn't have as much, I didn't have self-awareness or as much self-control, but I think, um, it, yeah, just kind of thinking of it, like, listen, it's, it's not a horror. It's not going to kill me if I don't get sleep tonight, allowing yourself to have a sleepless night and then saying, you know what? I'm not going to let this spiral out of control. I'm still in control knowing that you're in control. And then kind of taking the next steps to make sure you do get a good sleep. And that's where the medication comes in. But it is about your mindset. Because I I used to freak out when that would happen, you know? Yeah, it's like, yeah. I mean, I know it's the medication that really does help stop. But you have to do it too. You also have to notice and stop yourself. The problem is I've had this happen where the mania, it's gone past hypomania to mania. But for a short time, because of the medication and the self-awareness and the therapy, but then I get absolutely, utterly exhausted after it. And like, I can't, I can't speak to people. So unfortunately that happened on a recent trip where I was getting manic before the trip. I didn't sleep at all. I had this song on for 17 hours straight and it, that would drive anyone insane. It's a horrible song. I'll put it on, I'll put a clip on for a second. And I was so obsessed with the song and the lyrics are hilarious. It's so manic, but I had to listen to it with AirPods on in the Uber going to the airport. I had yeah. to get on. This is, it's this one. I can't hear it. Ollie's bopping around and I can't hear the song. Maybe we can put it in it's a little an, excerpt. Um, yeah, it's, it's, ain't nobody. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I can have a day where I'm like that if I don't get a lot of sleep. Okay. Yeah. And, and if, and, and if I like take my antidepressant and I don't get a lot of sleep and I'm feeling angry already and it'll be something will trigger it. That's the key is there will be an event. Like you said, it was you traveling or maybe you get in a, if I get in a fight with somebody, mm-hmm. something like that, and that'll trigger it. And then I'm like, Rah! and then I'm manic for a couple. It's like the hypomania builds up and I'm manic for a day or two. And then it makes sense that you crash. Cause it's such a rapid on, it could be like a rapid onset cycle. Yeah. And then what, let's talk about manic rage and anger. Yay. I love that. Cause I just wrote a whole, I found a note that I had written about rage. And so perfect. Okay, go ahead. Well, I am, I've always been a very angry, emotional person. Um, And I think a lot of this goes into like sort of the gaslighting that happens when you're a manic individual, but my whole life, everybody's always invalidated my emotions 
you know, my family, I would get in trouble if I was emotional or like, you know, they'd be like, don't be so sensitive. Stop crying. It's like any feeling you're punished for. So you kind of let it go. Oh yeah, I can't. So I would always get in trouble for anything like that. Um, and so I, I learned to kind of bury it and suppress it inside, but it always would erupt no matter, you know, what I did. So I feel like I really identify with rage and I've used it now. I use it to kind of fuel my creativity. If I'm angry at someone, you know, I try to write about it. I try to get it out and express it. And if you express it creative, creatively, it's a lot better. It's better for you. It's better for people around you. Um, Cause I can get, I can yell at the people I love. Yeah. And that's what I don't want to do. I think writing is is uniquely uh, helpful. I agree. Writing analog with your pen and your paper. Mm -hmm. That is, that's my biggest coping skill. I just buy composition notebooks. I'm addicted to notebooks and I can't. I am actually, I'm surrounded by one, two, three, four. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but it's good. And you'd all you, like I told my husband when I was in the hospital this time, I was like, all I need is a paper and pen to survive, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I wrote that in my, in my story. Like I told the, the, um, the psych nurses, I was like, I just need some pencils. I just need paper and pencils because that is what you need in that situation. It's yeah. In like the manic depressive life is just that journey of self-expression. Cause you are punished for it a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, because people, because like we are be- brutally honest. So people will get offended at what we say. Yeah. And our society does not value emotional expression. And yes. I really, that's part of a patriarchal um, structure because um, the traditional masculine stoicism and keeping everything withdrawn is placed on a social and moral um, high ground above just getting things out and expressing them. And that's not the same in other non-Western cultures, by the way. And I don't think that's natural either. And so I totally agree. That's such a great point. Um, And then I feel it's so interesting because a lot of times I will have experiences with other people, with friends or family or people, you know, my husband, where they'll express their feelings. And it's like, wow, I feel so amazing getting that off my chest. And like, I never told anybody this, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not open with anybody. Um, So I feel like that's a really, I feel like a lot of people feel that way. So it's, and I'm, I'm always like, why the hell don't you always say what you feel? You know, you feel like this is my, my whole life. I feel like I'm the person people are like, wow, I'm so glad I've never shared that with anyone. This feels so good. And it's because they see you doing it. So then they feel comfortable and then they finally get it out. And they're like, I'm so glad I did. I feel like I'm the person that has like drawn things out of people just with my weirdo. And you don't even try. It's just you naturally, like people just that's, I definitely, that's been my experience. People just open up to me within two minutes and they're like telling me what, like how they got, you know, I don't want to say molested, but I just said it. So it's like that, (laughs) that kind of stuff. It is really interesting. And I'm like, everybody should live like this. I know it's not, you know, it's not always comfortable, but it's better. People can smell the authenticity. They can smell and they can sense that 
you're number one, you're probably not going to judge them. And I think when you are open, like, like we are with our flaws and, and I'm not saying, Oh, we're amazing. We're perfect. I'm just trying to explain. I think people look at that and some people will judge it, but then a lot of people will say, Oh my God, I want to be free like that. I don't want to live with inhibitions. And, and it's all about just making people feel comfortable to be themselves. That's what, you know, that's all I really want is people just to be themselves. I have a question for you. Do you ever feel like you're trying to protect others? Yeah, in a sense, I, I, I feel like I'm more so than protecting. I'm trying to help somebody. Yeah, that's yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like, oh, what I have to say is so important. And I know, and I, and I think, oh, like this is going to change someone's life or, um, Yes. So what, so can you um, give like an example of that? Because people think it's all narcissism and grandiosity and just craziness, but like there is often help an aspect of um, wanting to help. So can you give? Yeah. Well, I think for, if I'll use my last manic episode as an example, I, I want to do, and I still want to do this by the way, you know, I kind of grew up in a cult, the Seventh-day Adventist church. And so I think for my last manic episode, they were a target, my old school, my Seventh-day Adventist uh, high school that like kicked me out and were because of my mental health, they didn't allow me to graduate. Okay. So, and like one of, I, I'd gotten in trouble for making out with my boyfriend too many times. And it's like a private boarding school, except we were working. I'm just giving you the context. Cause it's kind of a funny story, but like we, they make, it's like a work study program. So you're in high school and you're working to pay your tuition. And most of the kids who go aren't rich and privileged. They're poor kids who have no, you know, not many advantages and like all this stuff. So it's a really weird situation, but I had gotten in trouble for making out with my boyfriend too many times and getting caught. Cause it's like against the rules to even hug another person. Um, yeah. So they, the reason I wasn't allowed to graduate, it all happened right before my, my graduation. One of the teachers, I had spent the night at her house and I was manic. It was all mania. And I had written in my journal, I'm going to kill myself and hang myself from the flagpole, which obviously wasn't true, but she read my journal Uh, and because of it, she showed it to all the staff and that's why I wasn't allowed to graduate. So I do have genuine beef with them and I do believe Seventh-day Adventism is a cult. However, during my manic episode, I was like very intent on calling them out and, you know, tagging the school on Instagram and, and, and it did help people. I mean, a lot of people messaged me and, but that's just an example of something along those lines. And so, yeah, everyone should know about it. I have noticed um, you do express, you call a lot of things out. I do. The the podcast that you posted, um, not, I don't know, you can maybe speak to it, but I was listening to it. I'm like, this is, I I recognize this. Definitely. Well, I was definitely manic when I recorded the two like first episodes of this year. So it is a lot of like, and I, and I call the episode personal beef. I'm calling out a girl directly, you know? And I think, and I'm not, I don't know. I think now it's kind of accepted to do that in a way more, more so because there's so much love of snark and drama on the internet Um, and the real housewives, you know, that's a good, kind of it's kind of the same vibe in my opinion which is why I think people like it 
but it is definitely tied to mania and definitely tied to the brutal honesty. And I, and I really don't care what other people think at all. So I'm trying, instead of trying to change that about me, about myself, I guess I'm trying to lean into it. Um, and, and make it a part of my brand. And I think it's working. And I, I'm not like, you know, I think with astrology, actually, because um, Scorpio risings, their mid heaven and mid heaven is your career, just to give an example, and this is relevant to you. Um, The mid heaven is the career and it's in Leo. And Scorpio risings, particularly the way you manifest your mid heaven is by working with your sun sign. So you're a Capricorn sun. I'm a Virgo. However, put Leo is putting, you have to put yourself on blast. That was the way one of these astrologers described it, putting yourself on blast, being vulnerable in front of an audience. That's what's going to, so I think I'm using, I'm trying now. And I think because of my age and my skills that I've developed, I'm, I'm able to do it in more of a acceptable way, if that makes sense. It makes sense. I have to say when I listened to those, I immediately was like manic, you know, but not in a bad way. It was just, I mean, obviously I would recognize that and many people wouldn't, but um, I also think that you are trying to warn people. And I think that's what a lot of it is with you. I think you're trying to warn people. And well, point- yeah. And a lot of people, exactly. Especially with the seventh day Adventism. Yeah. And that's, that's protective measure, you know? Yeah. For or no, sure. Even talking about people that you friends or went to school with, or, you know, these kinds of things, you're also saying, Hey, you know, this is, this behavior is damaging and, you know, warning against these things that happen. I feel as your psychoanalyst. <laughs> oh, I love it. Moment. Um, I do feel that a lot of your manic expression is, um, kind of sending out these warning signs, maybe to protect people from things that have happened to you. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Cause a lot of it is put based off of personal experiences. And when you've had, I feel like both of us, because of manic depression, we have really intense experiences. It's never like, we never have like a mediocre, I mean, maybe if, I don't know if I'm speaking for you, but for me, I never have a mediocre day or a mediocre experience. It's always like drastic one extreme to the other. So I think when you have that polarity of experience, you really know what it's like to be a human and be alive. And so you want to share, you get to a place where you're like, I'm trying to give you guys tips, you know, and like, it definitely ties into the mania performance, performing Mm -hmm. how that is a big aspect for me. It's a huge, you know, obviously, and I can sense that with you too. And that's why a lot of manic depressive people are artists, performers, writers, poets, you know, it's an, it is. Yeah. Yeah. The electro boy guy, Andy Behrman, um, who I was saying, I think he's also a sociopath and whatever, but he, um, he says, and it's pointed out in this book too, when he's recalling his manic uh, behavior, um, that his thought process was like, hey, what do you want to see me do next? Which is literally like, I'm on a stage. What can I do next for you? What else would you like to see? Because I'm trying to perform. And I do think that's it. That's really interesting. I really love that. Yeah. I feel like as a kid, I definitely, I was always a performer. You can ask my, anybody, I would put on shows all the time, but I think a lot of that 
does tie into the mania because I don't care what anybody thinks. So if I do, you know, I'm not, I've never been afraid to go up and perform because what, what am I to lose? Like, like you said, class clown, I'm here to entertain. That's, that's a way I, that's kind of a way I cope thinking about it that way, because if I don't think about it as a performance, because to me, a performance has meaning, it has an impact at least to maybe one person. And we can talk now about, I guess, like bipolarity on social media, I want you to start because you, you, I love Holly's page because Holly hearing things on Instagram, because she will repost these stupid mental health pop psychology quotes and she kind of roasts them and it's very entertaining. I took, what are your thoughts? I took some of them down last night because I went too far. (laughs) Um, Me every day. (laughs) I'm like, oh no. Um, well, I think, um, I don't like the misinformation that I've seen. I'm very uh, against misinformation as an academic librarian, someone teaching media literacy, misinformation is a big problem for me. And I think with bipolarity mental and mental health on social media, there's a lot of misinformation. And there are bipolar accounts that are saying all the time that cutting yourself is bipolar. Cutting yourself never been a symptom of bipolar disorder like why is this stuff out there and all of these people are liking it or sharing it and it's like um you know it's an illustration of a goth girl with purple hair and I'm I'm just like why why is this this is emo like that's not what it is and that's it's not I'm not going to say I'm offended because that's giving it a bad name I'm saying that's a symptom of another mental illness and that's incorrect that it's bipolar disorder um and I really bothers me I really don't like to see things that are just patently untrue being put out there as mental health information for other yeah. people how confusing you know it is and I think nobody knows the DSM-5 you know do you like do people and I'm, I, I can't rattle off the nine symptoms that will require bipolar or like bipolar one diagnosis but people don't understand in order to be diagnosed with manic depression or bipolar one you have to have at least more than one manic or psychotic episode and and a depressed like major depressive episode and a lot most people have not been manic has to last for seven days yeah exactly like there's there's really legitimate quali like really qualifications for this kind of stuff and I think people are going to better help and they're talking to some random woman who's living in a basement you know giving therapy who's unqualified and she's saying yeah baby you're bipolar baby you know it's like this is not I think it's because most of those people are bipolar too and so bipolar two, you don't need a seven day manic episode. There is no mania. You just need hypomania. And then there's more depression, but anything could be called hypomania. And I think that's where the problem is, um, with the, with the overdiagnosis of, of that. And, um, I think that's one of the things I was writing about. The problem is, uh, mood stabilizers have just been marketed by pharmaceutical companies to the point that any sign. It's just like, let's just call you bipolar two and give you Lamictal. Exactly. Exactly. Well, okay, guys, uh, we're going to wrap it up now. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Holly, for being a guest. We're both guests, but I appreciate you. Thank you. This was 
Very interesting and enlightening and great to be back on your podcast. Yes. Well, you're going to be back again. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Venereal Disease Day, guys. (laughs) Youth protection. (laughs) No, but um, yeah. Where can we find you, Holly? Oh, well, I'm writing a lot now on my sub stack, which is Manic in Miami. And then my podcast is just Manic in Miami on Spotify and Apple and everything. So do you want to share your Instagram? Oh, yes. And my Instagram is Holly hearing things. Yes. I love alliteration and me too. hearing things too. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm going to leave all of Holly's links down below in the description. You can yes, find I'll add yours. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and I'll link can... to them on my Substack too. I'll put yours. Stuff. I'm making a Substack now because of oh, you. Oh, good. So I'm like okay. doing, I love it. Cause I, yeah, I was so inspired by your post. It was so good. Yeah. Holly is a great, obviously she's a great writer, but um, and then you can find me on Instagram at amorphous blob of glue goo. <laughs> I can't even say my username, but that's my personal page. And then my podcast page, manic state of mind podcast. If you have any questions about the show, please email me at manic state of mind podcast at gmail.com. Or you can email my production company, menhart Miller productions at gmail.com. If you have any complaints, I will be answering personally. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. And Holly, I will see you again. I hope you guys are having a wonderful week and please use protection and be smart. Thank you. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.